yeah, I don't know. My social media feeds always have like weird things about Zin, like Zimbabwe's or lip pillows or there's a bunch of different like nicknames for them. Like on your like recommended Instagram feed. Yeah. Thing. There's some weird things that show up there. I feel like all of mine are just jujitsu videos. Oh, I'm going to pop I, it I do get a lot of those. I just, sometimes I see the social, like when I'm scrolling on social media, sometimes I feel like it really does get who I am. Yeah. You know, and it really hits the spot. It kind of scratches that part of your mind that yep. most other things can't. And then other times you start scrolling and it kind of loses you, you know, for oh, a little bit. Dude, every time. Do you have anything other than Instagram? Uh, TikTok and Facebook. Okay, TikTok. So I deleted TikTok. Did you? I, I feel like I did. TikTok is actually seems to be better at honing in. Oh, the algorithm's your, good. Yeah, the algorithm's good. Like like the Instagram one, like with the Instagram shorts, mm-hmm. I feel like it kind of... I don't know. It's very, it doesn't expand very much beyond like a singular type of topic. Like if it figures out that you like jujitsu things, like Which you're just only getting jujitsu videos, all of it, nothing else. Like if I, what is, I think it's called the explore page. If I hit that, yeah. it's all jujitsu videos and then like one or two like fucking cute little fluffy dog videos. Yeah. That's it. I feel like TikTok kind of has multiple of your interests that it takes into account. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just, this is purely anecdotal evidence. I mean, it's, I think it's true though. I had a lot, like when I did have TikTok still, I had a lot of like military videos, a lot of jujitsu videos, a lot of cooking videos. Yeah. Just like all. It's more like things. broad kind of. Yeah. That explains why when I sent things to you on TikTok this week, there was. No response. No response. Yeah. I don't think I've had it now for like two weeks. I just, huh. I felt like I would open up my phone and like. All the time. Like I have Snapchat, but I just. You don't tell me you have Snapchat. I have Snapchat. Do you use it a lot though? Um, not in the way that most people do. Oh, like I, I, just, I was too old for that trend. I never got the Snapchat thing. I mean, I got Snapchat when I was real young. This was like probably right when it first came out, maybe what, 2014, 15, uh, whenever it yeah. came out. I had it. And then, um, usually I just send pictures of Toph to people. And then I, like my sister has it and she sends me a lot of like pictures oh. and videos of my niece. Um, yeah. That's what we have. My brother sends videos of the kids mm-hmm. that, and that's pretty cool but yeah. I never knew what to set like I never knew how to pose for a like like a selfie like, like for a snapchat picture like you just hi oh dude I hardly ever just take have a picture of your face like I don't I don't have like I don't send pictures of myself it was always hardly the ever. weirdest faces too it's like the same face you'd make when you're like puckering in the bathroom it's just mm-hmm. like these weird no I don't, I don't use snapchat like that yeah and then instagram is just exhausting i got rid of twitter because it was just fucking madness i hardly ever used twitter i didn't like it anymore i'm just slowly going dark on social media and i yeah. love it facebook is fucking wild though like i only have facebook still <laughs> i feel like everyone kind of has a facebook but you don't use it yeah i, don't I mean know. like i'll go on there probably once a week the boomers love facebook they love it they love my dad got kicked off of Facebook and Instagram, no. actually. How do you get kicked off of Facebook? Because he kept going to, like, every Catholic church, whether it was local or anything, and he would just say that all the priests are pedophiles, and he was commenting on, like, every single one. Oh, no. crazy-ass political rants all the time, specifically around religion. Huh. That'll do it. Got banned from Facebook, and then same thing on Instagram. I think after Meta, Facebook, whatever, bought Instagram, oh. my dad got kicked off Instagram, like, right away. 
<laughs> he was on the list of yeah, things like as this. soon as he was banned he was, on the new business cool. plan it had like number one yeah Briggs gone get rid of him get rid of this motherfucker <laughs> right now but social media is kind of fucked up and I would notice myself like opening my phone because I had a minute and I would like open Instagram scroll like two three times and be like oh this is fucking stupid close it open TikTok scroll for like yeah a minute or two and then be like oh this is fucking stupid close You're it searching, open Twitter. searching for that like dopamine hit yeah that dopamine hit of and some video that's gonna hit it and you don't really know what it is or what it is nope you don't know what you're looking for but you'll know when you see it I found it pretty interesting though making videos mm-hmm. of like I don't know the videos are doing relatively good mm-hmm. relative to the amount of followers and stuff like we didn't start all that long ago no, in reality sure. and so like the fact that we got a decent following of organic followers or whatever and then uh like all the like all the accounts are active. Like you can like you can build up an account to like ten thousand followers if you want pretty fast if you pay for them or if you. Yeah, but people. But that, right those are useless, right? Because then you don't like you don't really make it into the algorithm because the accounts aren't engaging with the content or anything uh, like that. Engagement's like, way more important. Yeah, and so like we get a decent amount. Like we get multiple times more views than the amount of followers that we have because like the people are real and they engage in the content and stuff like that. But yeah. You have to keep a lot of the content like very short. Yeah, people have like the attention span is almost nil. Yeah. I've found like, you know, experimenting trying to figure out which of the videos are actually like doing better, which is kind of a it sounds stupid to say, but it's sort of a interesting little endeavor to do a little research into the thing to figure out kind of what the mechanism was to try to get it to do it. Yeah. And I think it's like, like the first to... second and a half. Like yeah. one and a half seconds to cap yeah. Capture somebody's attention, otherwise they're gonna scroll the race. Scroll yeah, and like away. you have to get the flip you can't have a still frame for more than like one and a half or two seconds or something no. like that, or they're gonna flip away. Like mm-hmm. you have to always constantly be like bombarding them with like mm-hmm. bright lights and different pictures and videos Text on and, like, the screen. Just jump from frame to frame. Sometimes just like random mm-hmm. like I'll just pick a random video, mm-hmm. like and just take one second out of it and just flip 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 flip. Yeah. Meanwhile you're talking about some science topic that you have to distill in fifteen seconds. Otherwise, you're going to lose them because, like, retention rate is big. So, like, if they only watch 50% of the video and they swipe away, mm-hmm. then... That counts. Yeah, then your video is not going to get posted or it's not going to get shown on a lot of feeds because people aren't really watching the whole thing. Yeah. And so, the the most popular video, which has got, like, 150,000 engagements or whatever, is, like, uh, that 10-second video that with the choke that you were choking me. Mm-hmm. That's the most viewed video of like i still get like hundreds of likes on it every day dude i get notifications because i posted that like comment that was like great actors in this one or something oh, like yeah, that yeah. dude i still almost every single day i get a notification that somebody liked it yeah i think it's on instagram yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah that one went viral like immediately immediately that was yeah. pretty funny every like, we single were, day I get we were getting like 500 views 200 views and we're like yeah we're killing it like we're doing great dude we're crushing we only got like 500 followers but we're getting 500 views sick and then all of a sudden it got like forty six thousand in the first 10 minutes Mm -hmm. like oh boy dude because you got some attention and you know damn well like jujitsu is a pretty small community i mean all things considered it's growing of course um but if you do jujitsu and you find anything related to jujitsu, you're going to share it with your friends. That was, you know, that was the weird thing that I noticed is that, is that on this episode about weight loss, uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> We're going to get there. It's just half faith. Like every time, uh, is that when I was, po- when I was purely posting just science content, interesting stuff, 
mm-hmm. right? At least interesting, informative things that when you talk about it to people are like, oh, those are kind of interesting facts or whatever. But and it, it's sort of a a fun little game to be able to try to, and actually, and surprisingly, like with making the videos and stuff like that is like, it really helps with writing. Cause like, I have to do a ton of writing for, for being a scientist, right? Writing papers, writing grants, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you write scripts for the videos? No, I don't write the scripts, but like being able to distill many different, like complex topics into very simple terms of like, just saying like purely like, what does it mean? Like there's this whole paper how do you distill what the paper means in 15 seconds? Like yeah. you do it in grad school and stuff or like distill it in five minutes or do like a 10 minute presentation or something like that. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is, how am I going to get all this stuff in in five minutes? And then you're yeah. like 15 seconds. Now you got 15 seconds and it, it helped so much to be able to just like take content and like, what is the meat of it? Because then when you go to write your own stuff, like you have all these different topics and things and then you can take it and you can say, here's the core thing that I need to distill. Yeah. And I'm just going to expand upon it, you know? I don't know. That's so in that sense, it's sort of like a self-fulfilling type of endeavor because yeah. it helps me communicate science, which often science communication is pretty rough, but that's just, uh, that's my thing. Have you, did you ever, uh, get into the clubhouse trend? No. I, Cruz, uh, Cruz coming in hot. Cruz. Uh, I only learned about clubhouse through you. Um, but I did read something that someone, somebody posted something or what? I don't know if I read an article or something like that, but there was like a research paper about attention spans dwindling and how much they've dwindled since, um, oh, the, yeah, like social media becoming popular. Yeah. Um, and over the past like 15 years or some shit like that, it was saying that attention spans have been cut in half. Oh, I would believe it. I'd so, say even more than half. Yeah. I mean, you can't even have a conversation with somebody. No. Like, I mean, cell phones are definitely the culprit of it. That's why I got rid of my Apple Watch. Or not, I didn't get rid of the Apple Watch, but I don't use it anymore. Yeah. Because I hated the fact that it was just constantly like vibrating yeah. on my wrist and people were like, oh, just turn off notifications. And it's like, but what's the fucking point? <laughs> like, what's the point in having it then? Do I have it? Yeah. Like, oh, so it can track fitness. Like there's fitness trackers specifically. They do a way better job than Apple of doing it. Yeah. But- Pete, when you talk to somebody, you'll be mid-conversation and their phone will go off and everything you're saying is just done. And immediately they're on their phone looking at some stupid-ass Instagram post or a Snapchat or a text message. Like, we have no attention spans. No. And I'm slowly trying to build it up because, especially with studying right now, like being back in school, I'll be able to focus for like 10 minutes and then I'm just like fucking off in nowhere. Yeah. And it's like this almost forced ADHD that we're all putting ourselves through. Oh like, yeah. ADHD is I've real. I've noticed with like writing papers and stuff. Yeah. Like I have to, I'll write for like five minutes, mm-hmm. 10 minutes, like super focused, just yeah, plowing through it. And then I'll have to, and then I'll go and like lay on the couch with my feet up in the air, do some weird thing. I'll lay on the ground, mm-hmm. run around and then go back and do like 10 minutes. And then I'll like stare out the window, like go up, stand up, walk around, stare. Like it, there has to be some sort of ADHD type of activity, other activities going on. Like there has to be some sort of chaos in order to sort of quiet yeah. the, the demons. Dude, it's cause our brains are so focused on like, we have an attention span that's so short, I think. I mean, I don't know. I'm yeah. a fucking scientist here. But it's like we're focused on one thing 
and then you have 15, 20 seconds and then you scroll to the next thing and like, yeah. boom, it's brand new and it's fresh. And it's just bleeding over into our daily lives where like we can't stay focused for any amount of time yeah. ever. And people are constantly talking about like taking Adderall because it helps them. And they're like, oh, I just can't focus on anything. Yeah. But like you take your Adderall and then as soon as you're done doing your work or doing your schoolwork or whatever the hell you're doing. Yeah, then you're messed up. Immediately you're on your phone again. See that and thing? you're just ruining it. That thing that I don't, it, and it, that was really, I mean, I knew about that before, but I think it was super illuminating when making the videos mm -hmm. for social media for the shorts no you realize it quickly it was i yeah it and because then you get real-time data as to like what is actually catching people's attention and mm -hmm. what people are interested in yeah and how changing one little aspect of your videos or changing something can either keep people's attention span longer or they'll swipe away or something like that so you can go back and look at the the data and you can plot all of it and I did just for, you know, being a nerd. Yeah, just because I had the data, you might as well see what like human interests are, which is interesting. Jeez. But like, I when I plotted the data, there was like a an absolute like perfect Gaussian distribution bell curve mm -hmm. of like engagement, like percentage of how long their stay on the video versus how long the video was. So if it was like. Yeah. If it was like two seconds, five seconds, then I'm I'm guessing that was a sort of algorithm thing. Like it doesn't get posted. Yeah. Because it's so short. People just won't see it. Yeah. People just don't see it. So I'm, I'm guessing the left side of that bell curve is primarily like just algorithm related. But then like Still. when you get 10 seconds in, mm -hmm. like 10 to 15 seconds is a sweet spot. And then after that, just like a complete drop off afterwards. Yep. By the time you get to like 40 seconds, nobody's watching the whole thing. Yeah. They don't care. Like, this is a common thing recently. 40 seconds. Dude, 40 seconds is not long. That's not long at all. But this is like a, a YouTube thing. Because, you know, yeah. like shorts count towards your total views. But yeah, they YouTube. do. They, they count a little bit different. They count a little bit differently, yeah, but they, they still count. So you can pad your like total views for your channel and make your channel seem super popular mm -hmm. if you just post a ton of shorts. And you can like, you'll see people that will promote yeah. I mean, in the same way, like sometimes you'll take a snippet and post it or whatever. Snippet from a podcast. People do it all the time. Like fucking Joe Rogan has podcasts oh, for yeah, like three hours long. The tone of the voice, it'll get copyrighted and then. Yeah. And it's like a, a 20 second snippet of a little conversation that was said. And yeah. it's just like a really funny moment. But then it gets people to be like, oh, I got to find this in the actual episode. And they do it. Or you see it with like any sort of YouTuber. They make a quick short for 20 seconds. That one gets like 1.8 million views. Yeah. And then you look on their actual channel where they have a nine minute video, which even right now, nine minutes is like the sweet spot. I think it's like eight to 11 minutes on YouTube right, right now. Yeah. That's the best length of video. They'll have like 20,000 views. But then a 20 second video, they have million, two million views. Yeah. Because you can just quick swipe and then. Yeah. Because you don't have to engage in it that long. You don't have to take yeah. up that much time out of your day. See, I would make, I would make more videos that were a little bit longer with like animations i think mm -hmm. sort of like that i don't even know what kind of art it is i'm not saying art as in like artistic type of things but if you could like distill some scientific information mm -hmm. into uh a broader audience yeah and uh then take those little you know like they make those like little wwe videos where like they're talking about a little story and then they have like these little caricatures that are kind of cart 
not even cartoon drawn. But oh yeah, yeah. They're just like really shitty drawings. Yeah, but they're pretty funny because they're animated and they're like they display the point mm-hmm. that you're talking about pretty good. I think that would be kind of fun to make. But I don't dude, know. I could do that on my iPad. I see. I don't. Yeah, I, don't I could know. draw it and animate it. Uh, well, there we go. We'll make a video. We'll make a video. I just I don't know how to do that animated thing. Oh, I use I use like Clipchamp. It, no. For well, I use Clipchamp for the videos because with the subscription you get access to the stock video footage mm-hmm. that you can use for little snippets of videos. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's me and the dog. Yeah, you know that gets pretty old. And like my iPhone does a pretty good job of camera quality. Yeah, but especially with the ring light. With the ring light, yeah, it works. Pre- I, I'd say like the quality of the video, the lighting could be a little bit better, but like. I don't like those ones that are so oversaturated. People are like glowing. Yeah, you need one of those little... Um, Probably I have like beige walls. Yeah. Which is not flattering for a video. No, but we could put up some like fucking wallpaper <laughs> to get people really excited. I think we should print out like a big neural network background. Yeah. And like then we could post it. We could do that. Maybe. We could do that. We could make a fucking tapestry. A tapestry. That'd be tight. Yeah. I mean, you can send those things to a, like an Etsy, somebody yeah. on Etsy. They'll make it for you. We got a, I mean, we got, we have a pretty diverse range of episodes. That's the thing yeah. is that there's like this weird balance of super professional, not even super professional, but like, cause nothing here is super professional, but like. We were called, what were we called on that review? Irreverent. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It distill serious topics in a non-serious manner. Yeah. I mean, this episode was supposed to be about weight loss. This episode was supposed to be about weight loss. Now we're getting there. Hang on. Hang on tight. I know your attention span is 15 seconds and we're 17 and a half minutes in, but... Stick with us. Stick with us. We're going to get back to the Zimbabwe's. Yep. The Zin pouches. Nicotine salts. Nicotine salts. Nicotine salts. Anyways, uh, being like, I think managing the different audiences is a little interesting because on social media, we have like yeah. a decent jujitsu following of all things. And the reason being is that I was posting the science videos mm-hmm. and the science crowd, as I found being on other social media, like I have a pretty decent couple thousand follow, follower people following. I'm going to have a stroke here. <laughs> um, on Clubhouse, yeah. where I used to give like science talks, mm-hmm. Just sort of like once a week, I would give a talk to like a live audience or whatever, and you yeah. could engage in it. And it was a lot of just like updates about what kind of science things are going on in the lab, like how do you do it, and like how you're actually doing experiments, and why everything isn't necessarily as rudimental, or isn't like rigidly structured as we might assume. Yeah, and uh, it was it kind of hit pretty good because it I got in early mm. in the app. And so kind of got established more as like a, a regular show. Yeah. Cause the first time I heard about clubhouse was like 2021, I think. And you yeah. told me about it at fucking LA fitness. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what clubhouse is, dude. Yeah. It was just Mickey's a, club. it was just a way, like I started in the p- pandemic as a way to still keep giving talks. Mm-hmm. Cause I like science education talks and I like giving seminars and stuff like that. Yeah. But all of that went away in COVID. So did everything else. So did everything else. And, uh, but the X-Files yeah. theme, right? <laughs> the X-Files theme. Whatever that crazy conspiracy shit is. Anyways, continue. And so it was a way to like do that. Yeah. And it was kind of fun because people could raise their hands and it was somewhat interactive. And then the, the app sort of went through many different iterations and it started to get a little bit, I, I don't want to say like too complicated, but kind of got a little too complicated for me. 
like it was just the whole structure of it became very, very not user, like not user friendly, especially for, because people like originally when they signed up, they could just have an account, find rooms, go in when someone is talking and if they have questions or they want to join the stage or whatever, then good. Like yeah. it was just basically like a Twitter spaces type of thing. Mm-hmm. And that I started to get like structured into houses and like you could have a house which can host rooms or can host events. And it was like, you could only see things that are going around in the houses that you're in, which are invite required. And it was like, yeah, too much to manage for, at least for me, for being something that was just a way to like have fun, like practice science talks and keep going. Mm -hmm. Anyways, without that ramp being said, it was interesting to see though, when that app started is that how quick it was to, um, everyone was like trying to establish themselves as an expert of something that perhaps they may or may not know anything about. And so everything was like, ask the personal trainer, ask the nutritionist, ask the, yeah, some people love that shit. People just love expert opinions because it's so difficult to be an expert. But the people that were putting themselves in the expert position was like, you would go into some of these rooms and it was just like, yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah, but people want that sort of like attention and value to themselves. Yeah. Ah, yeah. They want to feel like an expert because experts you are so well You can't be a self-proclaimed expert. That doesn't, doesn't exist. I don't know. I, you but I'm more on the fan of like, no one's an expert of anything, but no one's an expert of anything. Be a jack of all trades, dude. What's that? Be a jack of all trades. Be the best engineer in a room full of cooks and the best cook in a room full of engineers. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the approach that I strive for. Yeah. I don't think I'll be an expert in anything ever. Yeah, I mean, like, there's nothing wrong. Like, being an expert's cool. Like, you, I think people, I think, well. It's just well-respected. It's well-respected, and I well think there's respected. a way to do it, but I think the interesting thing is is that the the true experts in the field are usually the quietest people. Yeah, because they don't, like, it's the same Because, like, fucking confidence, dude. When you have a dude that's, like, ripping his shirt off constantly trying to fight people, you know that dude can't fight. And then the dude that's, like, yeah. please, please leave me alone. Like, please do not. That's the one who will do, kill you. That dude will murder you with, with like, an... one hand behind his back. Yeah. And the other guy's on some McDojo shit. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a weird, so I, I just find it fascinating to observe some human behaviors of, yeah, especially when you have, like, data that you can curate in a controlled form like that. Like we would, like we, like the neural network started as sort of a live series discussion that we hosted through there. But like, um, like we would just try to come up with the most off topic titles that we could come up with. Like that had nothing to do, like the most clickbaity things that had nothing. On Clubhouse to do. or us? On Clubhouse. Oh. Here we actually like have. Our titles, titles are kind of ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like. Zach and Nick, or Nick and Zach, talk about chimps, yeah. mice, and who knows what. Well, all 30 people that listen are, you know, hey, they're <laughs> diehard fans. Thank you guys so much. Diehard fans. Weight loss. Weight loss. Weight loss. Let's get Speaking into of it. the Zimbabwe's, mm-hmm. I, I, that's overused now. Used yeah. Too many times. I don't know what else you can call them. Nicotine too. salts. Nicotine Purified. Salts filtered maybe nicotine salts that are in those little packages they come in like on or zen is sort of the one that has been take, popular one. taken over the market i think rogue is another one. rogue rogue uh what are the other ones you see behind in the gas stations 
They're very colorful. They usually have a white container. Yep. You know what we're talking about. They come in like three milligrams, six milligrams, four milligrams. Which is interesting because I think that the white is used to differentiate between like when you look at a can of just dip, they're always in a black can. Uh, and then when you get snooze, yeah. snooze is always in a silver tin. Yeah. And they have like various levels of tobacco, but then you get Zins or Ons or whatever. They're all it's always white. a white can because there's no oh. tobacco. It's just nicotine powder. Interesting. Very interesting. I just thought of that, but I saw that I I saw like you know because at Seven Eleven they have the posters of mm-hmm. the stuff. They had uh, eight milligram ones. Damn, which just seem that's a lot of nicotine. Yeah, it's a lot of nicotine. Like that's migs per kg, mm-hmm. milligrams per kilogram of human. That's that's a that's a hit. Yeah. I was playing bear pong with my uh, soon-to-be brother-in-law yeah. a couple months ago, weekends ago. I don't know when it was. I don't remember, to be totally honest. Um, but I was not even, like, tipsy, and this dude was drunk because he was at home, and he can afford to do that when he's at home. He's yeah. a grown-ass man. Um, every game that he lost, he would put another Zen in. Oh, no. And there were six milligrams, and at one point he had six of them, no. 36 milligrams of nicotine. I mean, at some point you just hit saturation. He was like, how did he not back poop? for it? Huh? How did he not poop? Uh, he might have. I don't know. There should be visceral voiding at that point. Dude, we were on opposite side of the room, so I don't know what was going on with his body. But he had to spit them all out, and he did not feel good after. Yeah. And then he sent me a text the next day. I was like, I regret yeah. all of those things. I've, I've, yeah, tried, I've, I've tried them as like, uh, you know, they have the, as like the nootropic kind of things. As like Zins or nicotine? Well, nicotine in itself. Yeah. Like nicotine, well, we have nicotine like, receptors, right? In our brain? Yeah, you have nicotinic receptors. Yeah. Don't yeah. eggplants have a decent amount of nicotine? What? I think eggplants have nicotine We're in them. Look this up. It's like uh, eggplants or maybe tomatoes have nicotine in them. But there are like vegetables that have nicotine. I mean, in them. other things can stimulate the nicotinic receptors. I think eggplants have actual nicotine in them. I might be lying though. Well, I mean, it's been asked. Eggplant seeds contain nicotinoid al- alkaloids. Huh. So, yeah, because you eat the seeds. Mm-hmm. 100 nanograms per gram well. of eggplant. Yeah, 100 nanograms per gram of eggplant. How many grams is the average eggplant? It, eggplants can get pretty fucking big. Depends on which eggplant, though. Regular eggplants, or I think Chinese eggplants are like the real skinny ones. Eggplant. Eggplant. 550 grams times 100 nanograms, which would mean 50, no, uh, that's 550 times 100, 55,000. 55,000. Wait, go back to the other tab. 100 nanograms per gram of eggplant. But it's just the seeds. So that would refer to what? A gram of seeds? No, I think it says just per gram of eggplant. But it says that eggplant seeds contain them. So if it's just the seeds that can pl- contain them, then yeah, like a gram. Oh, uh, it says, yeah, 10 kilograms of eggplant is equivalent to one cigarette. So you got to eat a lot. That's 10 kilograms of eggplant is a lot of eggplant. Yeah. Because huh. what? How, one kilogram is 2.2? 2. 2. 2. 22.2 pounds of eggplant? That's a cigarette. That's, no, 200, no, 22 pounds. What did I say? I said 22.2 pounds. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, so just twenty two, just twenty two pounds. You don't need to add an extra point two. I'm adding the point two. Okay, twenty two point two is one. 
that's insane one cigarette but anyways yeah so like we have nicotine receptors in our brain yeah. and eggplants have i think tomatoes have nicotine in them that's but true. there's various like vegetables that have some nightshades or trace amounts it might just be nightshades yeah that have trace amounts of nicotine in them i don't know what exactly it would be that would cause that though i mean i'm not a huh. agricultural expert interesting but anyways no like nicotine uh it's usually like one of the things that happens the most when people stop smoking or they stop chewing or something like that is that they put on weight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like one of the most common things that, yeah. that you see and that you hear and stuff. And, and, uh, but nicotine itself is pretty, like, it's, it's somewhat of a appetite suppressant. Yeah. I mean, it's also like tough to eat while you're smoking or I imagine while you're chewing. I mean, have you ever tried to eat with a dip in? I know. Okay, first time I ever dipped, I didn't know that you weren't supposed to eat because, like, I didn't grow up around anybody that dipped or anything like that. I started in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Put a dip in, first time ever dipping. Somebody offered me a bag of chips, and I was like, okay, cool. I'm just around all my buddies in the Marine Corps, and I'm, like, eating these chips, and I keep getting, like, I keep spitting up stuff, and my homie that gave me the dip was like, are you eating with a dip in? And I was like, yeah, are you not supposed to? And he's like, take it the fuck out. So I didn't know that. But I'm also wondering, with nicotine use, like- yeah. Pete, like when my dad quit smoking, I don't know if we talked about this on here or not, but when my dad quit smoking back in the day, he got like a five pound tub of licorice for like the motion. Yeah, that's what, like, it's the, I think, the I think a lot of it has fixation. to do with like that oral fixation. Yeah. Which is a common problem with weight loss things in general is that like the people, a lot of people really, really crave that oral fixation. Yeah. They're like habituated to the act of bringing something to their mouth or having something in their mouth or something like that. And so like, I remember like Brett Favre or whatever was infamous for having like, I don't know, like like gummy bears or something on the side of the Mm -hmm. bench because he was a big chewing tobacco user. So he would have to like have something in his mouth at all times. Yeah. And, uh, so there's like something about to be said about that, but, but you ever, have you ever noticed like it's, it's, it's almost like it's easier to focus sometimes when you have something in your mouth or you're chewing or. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of weird that way. Like I know like when I'm working on uh, a paper or something like that, sometimes I'll suck on like a cough drop or something just to have something in your mouth. Just something. Dude, maybe it's part of that attention span thing. It like focuses it in. Yeah. I don't understand what it is. Keeps you present. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Keeps you from wandering because you're always having to focus on something that's actually physical tactile. Yeah. Oh. And it's like technically internal. Because it's inside your mouth, so you're focused on it. You're not getting any external stimulation. It's all stimulation. That's all internal. I wonder, you know, because there is that thing about, if you ever noticed, like, at, like, 11 o'clock, midnight, the witching hours. Mm -hmm. That's when sudden, like, focus hits at the peak. Is it really? For a lot of people. I don't know that. Like, for a lot of creative type of individuals, like, tend to do the best work in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, And there was something that was said about, once you've been up for a certain amount of time or once there's a certain amount of light stimulation, et cetera, whatever, that you almost, it, it almost simulates that of like a, not like a inebriate, like drunk is in like belligerently drunk, mm-hmm. but like parts of being drunk is in removing inhibition type thing. Yeah. is similar to a mindset of that type of, e- that like that part of the evening where you have like uh, low levels of serotonin, higher levels of gabaglycine, like these inhibitory type of things that are trying to like somewhat ramp you down to sleep or whatever. And uh, yeah, I guess by doing that, it sort of quiets down a lot of those excessive noises, if you will, that are 
always intrusive to some of your thoughts. Like if you're trying to put something on a paper, like you have writer's block or something like that, you're always trying to write. Mm-hmm. You write a sentence, you erase it, you write something, you erase it. Or when you're drawing something, for example, or making something for a website, you're making it and then you're like revising it and you're like always questioning kind of what it is that you're going to do. Yeah. So it like gets rid of your perfectionism. It gets rid of the perfectionism to the point where you can just put stuff down Yeah, and you can just go. Because a lot of times like when you're writing papers or making things like making figures or something like that, like just go. Yeah, just Your do first something. pass is going to be garbage anyways. Just get the ideas down. Like, I'll just be writing, and then sometimes, like, these sentences don't even make sense. It's just, like, words. Yeah, but I mean, if you think about it, like, if you have a 20% success rate, if you write a 1,000 words and 200 of those words are actually good, it's better than you and writing you got 50 200 words perfect that... words. Yeah. Like, your odds of doing it are way, but you just need the, the reps, and, like, you're fine. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, something about that. Something about being in that uh, state of mind at that at that hour puts you in that state. It helps you out. It helps you out. I don't know. Anyways, back to the nicotine thing. Nicotine is like big on being a uh, nootropic, mm-hmm. memory, brain enhancer, something like that. Um, and but they were looking at the different absorption rates of Zen and on and all these different brands or whatever. And it turns out that the milligram count on the package of the, the nicotine alternative is almost like useless. Yeah. Like a four milligram on is going to have, it gives you a larger, uh, blood concentration of nicotine compared to like a six milligrams in like, like it had to do with how they're formulated and then the packages how it was delivered or whatever so it's almost like milligrams the the milligrams was someone somewhat it was relevant in the fact that like a six milligram zin is going to be twice as strong as a three milligram zin but it's not but it's but a six milligram zin isn't going to be i guess stronger than a four milligram on so they're adding something to the actual pouches. Something that to change the absorption and something like that. Yeah, I don't, I again, yeah, I look it up. I don't know if it's true. Yeah, but I, it's like with Chew, people talk about that. People are fans of Grizzly because they say that it hits you harder than Copenhagen. Yeah. So it's just like, I don't fucking know. Like, yeah. I just chew because I'm addicted to nicotine and <laughs> like it keeps me awake when I'm up for 20 hours and I need to be up for two more hours. It keeps me awake. Yeah. That was the only reason why, but like people, but it's also like for the weight loss thing. It also is a pretty, pretty heavy stimulant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, weight loss. Though we've covered this so many, so many times. All the weight loss drugs. How do they work? How does Ozempic work? What does Ozempic do to you that makes you lose weight? Because that's like everybody talks about Ozempic, and I see people constantly on social media. Talking about Ozempic? Like how excited they are that they finally got approved for Ozempic and they can finally lose weight. And it's like, no, you've always been able to lose weight. Like you don't need Ozempic to Ozempic lose isn't, weight. Ozempic is a GLP-1, glucagon-like peptide 1 uh, agonist. So it's it's basically like it hits the glucagon receptors. So, so it, it's essentially like you have insulin and you have glucagon. These are sort of your two yin and yang hormones when it comes to your blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And so normally when you eat, your blood sugar goes up. Mm-hmm. It's sort of known as your postprandial point. Have you ever heard that? 
Um, that's just what it means. Postprandial means after you've eaten. And so for a lot of times they'll compare like fasted versus postprandial blood sugar to see whether or not you're diabetic. So like you yeah. take your fasted blood glucose and this is sort of after you haven't eaten in a long time, how well does your body actually regulate its own blood glucose to keep it within that normal range of like 80 to a hundred ish, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have your postprandial, which is how good is your body at preventing these gigantic spikes in blood glucose that occur once you've eaten. Because if you have no regulation of it, all the blood, all the glucose that you've consumed just gets absorbed into the bloodstream and then it's going to go rampant. Yeah. Because like too much glucose, too much sugar, as you can imagine, tends to like rot things. And so it does a similar thing to many proteins in your, in your blood. So it, it can be bad. Like too much glucose is very toxic to cells. Yeah. And, uh, it's often, it's funny because like in our brain slices, like a quick way to kill the brain slice is to have too much glucose in the solution. Damn. Like it's just, it's very, cause it's, it's a very, I mean, it, it, it does a bit of chemical reaction to, to add different carbons and hydrogens and all that kind of stuff. Um, but in oxygens, but, but it also changes the osmolarity and stuff. So it, it can like, what is that? Well, so basically like it can, it absorbs water type thing so it can dry things out pretty that's what osmolarity means osmolarity is like the concentration of a of a solution so how much like salt is in a solution so like a like a salt like like the ocean is has more salt than that of tap water so it has a higher osmolarity okay you know so things flow from low to high yeah you know so if you have salt water in one side and you have tap water in another side and you have a semi-permeable semi-permeable uh, thing in between them divider. divider in between them then the volume of water on the side that is salt water will become higher than that of the fresh water so those are those experiments you see with like a little U shaped trough and all of a sudden like it's imbalanced and you're like how does this defy gravity and it's not defying gravity because it's the forces of the osmotic forces are stronger than that of gravity at that point Dude, so, I've never yeah. seen that before. Yeah. So like if you, if you take like a, uh, think about like a horseshoe and make it a tube that you can fill up with water. Yeah. And then you take really salty water on one side and, and you take fresh water on the other side and you fill them up and you put a semi-permeable membrane. But the, the key thing is that that semi-permeable membrane can't have the solutes or the, the salt go through it, but it can allow the passage of water. Okay. That makes sense. Right. And then that's what will allow the water will flow because it'll make like it flows from low to high to try to equalize out the osmolarity across the board. And so these are your osmotic forces. And so the water will flow from the freshwater side to the saltwater side. And so the saltwater side will end up having more liquid in it than that of the freshwater side. But eventually it'll be diluted out so that there's a similar amount of salt in both sides. So that's an osmotic gradient, which is like super important for all the cells in the body. So you have these different osmotic forces. So like you have in your blood, well, the, the starling forces are sort of the, the, the famous forces that dictate whether or not you retain water or how much like hydra- how hydrated you are and stuff like that. And so this is where like electrolytes become kind of big as well because you have... This is getting sciencey. This is getting real sciencey. We'll circle back. Put your propeller hat on. But anyways, you have four big forces. 
two on the inside of the blood vessels and two on the outside of the blood vessels. And so if you think of a blood vessel and you wrap it in a meat sack, which is basically the human, you know, uh, inside the blood vessel, you have the osmotic pressure gradient, which is how much that fluid, the blood, the plasma inside your blood vessel wants to escape out into like, if you think about like under the skin, for example, and then you have a colloid osmotic pressure, which is the proteins inside your blood are trying to pull fluid from, let's say, under your skin into the blood to dilute them out, right? And then you have the exact opposite on outside of the blood vessel. So there's this constant pull and push trying to normalize the concentrations of solutes within your body. And so like when you drink Gatorade or you drink electrolyte solution or anything like that, you're adding to the osmolarity of your blood, right? And so there's more ions that are in your blood, more electrolytes, and those are going to draw water in to help you become more hydrated. Wow. More or less. More or less. It gets a little bit more complicated if you go into the biophysics of it, but I think that's a good overview. Back to Ozempic. Back to Ozempic. (laughs) Ozempic has nothing, well, Ozempic doesn't really do a whole lot with that, but Ozempic, Ozempic, uh, targets GLP-1, which is a receptor mm-hmm. that glucagon hits. So back to insulin and glucagon. You have two primary hormones that are hormones that are going to affect how much blood, how much sugar is in your blood, your blood glucose. So when you take a little prick and a little blood test and it tests your blood sugar, mm-hmm. you're testing your blood glucose. And when you give a bunch of insulin, for example, you gave someone a shot of insulin, their blood glucose would drop mm-hmm. because it shuttles the glucose out of the, or it shuttles the, the, the glucose out and into the cells where it can't be then picked up in the blood. Because the, the glucose that you're measuring is basically like the free floating glucose that's not stored inside cells. If it's stored inside the cells, it's not floating in the blood, so it's not picked up. Okay. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, because the, the, it's not like you give insulin and suddenly the glucose disappears. Yeah. Like it's still in your body. It's just not in your blood anymore. Okay. It's not inside. <laughs> it, yeah. goes, it goes and it hides and it's, you know, it puts itself away into the closet. Tucks itself in. It tucks itself in. And so it's there when you need it. This is like your, your glycogen. Yeah. Things like that. Like it's there, but it's just not, it's not floating around and causing havoc as much anymore. Not to say that glucose is bad. Too much of it's bad. Moderate. Little of it is also bad. But anyways, um, like when we make our brain Gatorade that we record our brains in, like it's the the most of any other thing that we put in there is glucose. Um, but anyways, glucagon, on the other hand, is increases blood sugar. So it does the opposite of insulin and it promotes shuttling glucose back into the blood to raise your blood sugar and so you're you're thinking like what the heck yeah because it's, it's kind of something it's a glucagon like peptide receptor so it would act like glucagon but it's meant for people with diabetes yes but here's the thing okay. is that <laughs> i know because i'm confused as hell right now i know well it has to come with like you have to think about how and when these would normally be released and so <laughs> if you guys could see my face right now, I am lost. 
<laughs> I'm lost. I mean, I'm waiting for the explanation, but. Did we, we lost the screen? We lost the screen. We're talking about all this stuff and I'm like, what? Like, Ozempic is prescribed to people with diabetes. So why yeah, do you want to raise their glucose levels? No, no, no. You want to lower their glucose levels. Yeah, you want to lower their glucose levels, but you're saying that GLP-1 well, puts glucose into the bloodstream, right? No, glucagon can put glucose into the bloodstream. GLP-1 is a different, a little bit different. Okay, so this is what I get for not being a scientist. I mean, glucagon, it, it does bind. Hang on. I feel like this makes you a better scientist because you have to explain it to me who's just not all that sharp. <laughs> okay. We just had a little scientific... I had to make sure that this was all right. We're feeding you guys misinformation. No, we're not feeding you misinformation. This is all correct. I just wanted to make sure that it was right. <laughs> correct. Air quotes. But a, a GLP-1 receptor agonist, such as Ozempic, semaglutide, mm -hmm. stimulates... The production of insulin. Okay. So, insofacto, you stimulate the insulin and it lowers the blood glucose. So I do a follow-up question. Mm -hmm. If you take Ozempic, do you not need to give yourself insulin shots? Uh, I don't know. Doctor would have to. A medical doctor would. <laughs> medical doctor. <laughs> medical doctor. Not a not a scientist. Not a science doctor. Okay. Would have to do that, okay. But anyway, so it, essentially, it can lower your blood glucose, which is good for like diabetes, mm -hmm. diabetes. So, how does this play into you losing weight? Because it simulates as if you were already full. If that makes sense, yeah. So, it, one of the things that glucagon like peptide does is that it's it, it can slow the rate of digestion. Which is why some people get like nausea and gas and... So you feel full longer? So you kind of feel full longer. Mm -hmm. Makes your brain feel like, okay, we're fed. Yeah. We're okay. Okay. If that makes sense. And for some reason, lowering blood glucose can somewhat help with weight loss. Yeah. Not necessarily by... I don't know if there's any studies that show that. I don't think so that if you just basically lower the blood glucose that they become skinnier because I don't think that that's the case if you hold um, the amount of caloric intake constant but if you have less of the swings of blood glucose of like the things that make you hungry are those big swings mm. you go up and then it crashes and then you're like I gotta eat something Yeah, but if it just sort of stays level you're not really that hungry it's sort of the case for like the ketogenic diet. Yeah. That was popular for a while. And I think some people still do it. That's what I was thinking too. But like they go on that low carb, low sugar mm -hmm. in, in an attempt to sort of keep the blood glucose stable. And if you don't get those swings, you don't get the ups, you don't get the downs. The classic example is like eating a bag of chips and a big sandwich or a big bowl of pasta or something for lunch. And then by two o'clock, you're basically in a coma. Yeah. And you're like, I got to eat some candy or I got to get something to, as a pick me up. Which is huge, dude. I've literally just eaten pretty much nothing. I had like a sandwich on Tuesday night. But other than that, I've had eggs, fruit, vegetables, and meat yeah. for the whole week. And then yesterday for lunch, I had pizza before I went shooting. And I felt like dog shit afterwards. Mm. I ate it, 
And then within an hour, I was toast. Just well done. But it's like, I think it's, you know, probably the same thing. Yeah, it's more of a blood sugar thing. Yeah. But the thing that I didn't like about the ketogenic diet, because like, I tried it for a while. Yeah, I did too. And uh, it was like your blood glucose or whatever. I mean, your blood glucose is pretty well at being regulated if you're not diabetic anyways. Mm. But that being said, I felt like the level that it held you at was just a little too low for my liking. Like yeah. it felt constant all the time. But I felt constant, like, just a little bit too low for me. Yeah, but you're doing, like, performance-based stuff. Yeah. Because I was doing the same thing, and I noticed, like, a significant decrease in time, speed, and just how I felt when I would go for, like, long runs or long rucks when yeah. I was doing keto. I did it for, like, three months. And all of my fitness levels dropped, and maybe it's just because I didn't do it for long enough, so I was never able to, like... Well, if you do high-intensity stuff. Yeah. And you're just, like, like running a long-distance running or something like that. Like, I did it when I was doing a lot of endurance sports mm-hmm. and that doesn't take too big of a hit dude mine took a hit might have been mental might have been i don't know but yeah it i did not feel nearly as good on the runs yeah when i would go oh interesting yeah i mean i can see like some people say that that's general i hate saying some people say but we've all heard it some folks some folks say that uh if anything it can boost your performance or does it i think that's a lie there is I am, I don't know, I don't think that you're going to be able to be on a ketogenic diet and be at the same performance level as far as like a one rep max kind of thing mm-hmm. compared to someone that is, has a raging blood glucose jacked out on caffeine. Yeah. Like just think about it. if you just, if you eat a bag of Skittles and then have a huge stimulant Right before you go to lift. Yeah. You're going to lift more. I don't care. Yeah. I. Dude, I fell into the trap. I saw it on TikTok where people were eating Rice Krispie treats before they went to the gym. And once again, it might have been mental. I have a two pound bag of gummy worms in my bag. Yeah. Gym bag. Dude. And it helps so much. Like I would just pop one of the little mini Rice Krispie treats. It's like 100 calories. I'd pop that, drink my pre-workout, go to the gym. And that's when I noticed over the like two months that I was doing it, that's when I was PRing every single week without trying. Yeah, it does. I'm, t- I'm saying I don't think I don't think ketogenic is the is the way to go for performance. Some people are gonna hate that yeah. and say, "Well, it's, uh... you ever do the carnivore diet?" No, that one was an interesting one. I mean, my my diet is pretty carnivorous. Yeah, already. Yeah, but I do love carbs. I love carbs as well. But I don't think anybody should be afraid of carbs. I think there's. I think if you're going to lose weight, it's an easy thing to cut out because it's kind of filler. But as far as like bulk, people talk about like good carbs and bad carbs, though. And I don't necessarily think that there's any like bad foods or good foods. There's probably foods that you shouldn't eat as much of. But like, you can lose weight just eating McDonald's because it really is just like it's, calories. Yeah, you have the the laws of bioenergetics will yeah. always hold true, but. You're not going to feel as good and your performance isn't going to be as good if you're eating like shit and yeah. like a potato or a sweet potato or some like complex carbohydrate is going to be way better than eating a fun fact carbohydrate. though. Potatoes spike blood glucose. Have you ever heard of more insulin than... resistant starches? In What? Insulin resistant starches. I know what insulin resistance is. What's an insulin resistance? Like if you take starch. a potato and you bake it and then you cool it down and oh. you reheat it. Yeah. It will become like an insulin resistant starch and it 
basically behaves the same way without spiking your blood sugar. Did you know that also the sugar is kind of crystallized and if you eat a pre-cooked potato cold, it will give you like way more gas uh, than that of a, like a freshly warm cooked potato. That doesn't surprise me, but a baked potato with butter in it, dude, and some salt, some flaky salt on top of this spot. God, it's so good. Yeah. I just, I never got behind, you know, like when you're at a fair or something and you can get a baked potato. What? Like, I mean, I think that's a Wisconsin thing. Yeah, it's because we don't just <laughs> offer baked potatoes. No, they have, even they have like the loaded baked potatoes at the, at like the Kraken game. I've been to one Kraken game. I'm just, I'm not a big fan of uh, getting a potato at a sporting event that's like a baked potato. It's a little dry for me. Yeah. I, I get that. I'd rather have like a hamburger or a hot dog or something. Yeah. A glizzy at a, like a baseball game, dude. You get two glizzies. It hits the fucking spot. $17 Coors Light. Yeah. Wow. It is good. And it can be part of a weight loss plan. It can be. I don't think there's anything wrong with just being conscious about it. I think the biggest issue with weight loss that people run into is they just don't give it enough time. Yeah, you like, got to give it, like, you can't just be on a diet for a week and hope to see amazing. Like, it took you years to get into this position. Yes. You're not going to reverse it in a week. No. It's not going to happen. No. But I do think that a good way of looking at it is that like however long it took you to get here, you can fix it in half that time or less. Yeah. So like say you used to be fit when you were 25 years old and then, you know, maybe you got a family, family mm-hmm. started, you know, you had kids or your wife had kids, your girlfriend had kids, you got whatever. Things change. You're not sleeping as much. You're just trying to get like quick calories because you just feel like you need the energy. You get in this bad habit and now all of a sudden you're 29 years old and you're like, holy shit. What did we just do? Like a little pudge. Yeah, we're both fat. Like, what's going on? We're both fat. It happens in relationships, too. People get in a relationship, and they're eating all this, like, shitty food. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I want to try your favorite restaurants. You want to eat restaurant. all the time. Let's go out to on a date night. We're going to get yeah. cheeseburgers and watch the sunset, whatever romantic shit you're into. Um, that's a good-ass date night, dude. A couple of dicks, burgers, some fries, and a milkshake, and watch the sunset. Wow. Anyways, um, you can reverse that Dick shit pretty quickly. Is a chain, yes, in Seattle, Dick's yeah. Burgers, yeah, way better than that is In and a, Out. A brand in the burger that comes, <laughs> yes, for clarification, for clarification, <clears throat> delicious. So, but you can reverse that pretty quickly, like if you take it very, very seriously, yeah, like super strict diet, which nobody wants to do. You can reverse that in like three to six months, probably, yeah, depending on how big you got, you know, yeah. But if you want like a meaningful change, it took you four years to get there. Just looked. Two years out. Like, if you make small incremental changes over the course of, you know, half the time that it took you to get there, you're going to see the results that you want. But people try and speed run weight loss and health, and they focus on just losing weight. If you focus on just getting healthier, you're going to have an easier time losing weight. Yeah. It's like the losing weight is the byproduct of eating healthier. Don't look at it as like, oh, I can't eat this much because... I think the hard part is that... Whatever. Is that you... You kind of lose the cravings. Yeah, you do. As you clean everything up. Yeah. Like, like I think that's the hard it. part to get over is that it's, like, it's, 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 I mean, a lot of it's a mental thing. There's just, I mean, it's pretty much all a mental thing, but, but to say, like, I don't want to give up eating pizza every day. I don't want to give up this big bowl of noodles. I don't want to give up all this stuff. But as you're progressing in your fitness or your weight loss or your health conscious type of, uh, the journey 
Like the cravings for those things sort of go away. And they go away relatively fast. Yeah. Like you can look at a big bowl. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like those things still hit once in a while. You'll get that craving. But, and I get it. Some people say that, you know, it's, they, the cravings never go away. You also don't guilt trip yourself though when you do want it. Yeah. If you don't guilt trip yourself, then you're not going to crave it as much. But there was some, and I think that's, that's my big gripe with some of the, some of the weight loss supplements. Mm-hmm. Like when you start looking at like some of the stimulant type supplements that are promoted, like, cause I think, cause for weight loss supplements, or not supplements, but weight loss drugs and weight loss supplements, uh, is that you have the ones that are promoted based on burning more energy. Mm-hmm. And so they're primarily stimulant based. And those are like, if you're going to go to a supplement store and buy some over the counter weight loss drugs, a lot of them, you know, thermogenics, if you will. Yeah. Those are just making your energy output for the day greater. So yeah. they just stimulate, they're just stimulants. It was basically. like those, uh, who's that Playboy bunny that made the, like, I think they were like red pills and they were like crazy. And like, yeah, people were dying and stuff because you're just overstimulated. Yeah. Because there's, there's just different ephedras. Mm-hmm. And so like ephedra was the big one. Yeah. Right. So it's like ephedrine, if you will. Mm-hmm. Those are the stimulants. And so they make your heart beat faster and they make metabolic processes in your body go a lot faster. And so as a byproduct, you create heat and as you're burning the heat, right, that's sort of an indication that you're burning more caloric intake. So like when you're doing a, a calorimetry measurement of how much energy someone is putting out for their basal metabolic rate, like one of the one of the key ways, I mean, we measure it by like the amount of oxygen that they're consuming so you can get an idea because metabolism takes oxygen for the most part. Yeah. And so like the more oxygen that they're using, the higher their metabolism is. Whatever. But for like measuring the caloric intake or the caloric content of food and something like that, you'll burn it. You'll see how much energy it produces. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like the more heat it produces, the higher the caloric intake is. Well, I think that's the thing too, is that people don't realize that calorie is just a unit of measurement. It's just a unit of energy. Yeah. That's all it is. You can measure kilocal, like kcals is just energy. Yeah. But like, so the ephedras and things like that, like they work by, and that's the way that they do it, but there's a lot of side effects that come with it. You're going to be hot, you're going to get the night sweats, and then it does a pretty decent number on your heart. Yeah. And things like that. And so, but the other ones that I think are more promising, maybe, I don't know if I can say that, whatever. I think, I think they're more justified mm-hmm. as far as like getting at the root cause of it. Are the, more the mental type of drugs that are targeting cravings? Like appetite suppressants? Right. Exactly. So. It, like it, Ozempic. Like, like, yeah. Similar to like Ozempic. Like mm-hmm. that works, right? People know that it works. It's starting to come out with some, uh, and Ozempic is just a brand name for semaglutide, but, but, um, they're, they're making like one of the big ones was Fenfen back in the day, which was, let me see what Fen, Fenfen, F-E-N-F-E-N. Uh, no, it's F-E-N-P-F-E-N-P-H-E-N. So it was, sounds like Pokemon. Fenfluramine and Fentyramine. And basically it uh, was an anti-obesity treatment. It got pulled off the market because people started to die. But um, but anyways, it was one of the things that it was noted for was, I mean, because it, it also increased your energy output, which was, I think, the, the bad part about it. Mm-hmm. But it also, one of the things was that it, um, it, it 
reduced a lot of your cravings. So, so fenfluramine is a serotonergic agent. So basically like makes you feel better. So it's almost like an SSRI, if you will. And it was mixed with, uh, fenteramine, which is an adrenergic, which would like make you body, like it has adrenaline. Yeah. So an adrenergic is just adrenaline like substance. Mm-hmm. So like the ultimate adrenergic agent is adrenaline. And so any adrenergic drug is just stimulate or simulating the effects of adrenaline. Uh, but anyways, the serotonergic agent sort of made you feel good and made you feel happy. And it was sort of like an antidepressant type of thing. Mm. And so, um, yeah, but anyways, one of the things is that when you were trying to lose weight, then you wouldn't feel so bad. You know, you felt sort of happy inside, even though you're trying to lose weight, which, which I think is like, a. It's huge. It's huge because if you can suppress appetite, that's one. But I think after a few weeks or something, you're pretty good at suppressing your own appetite. Yeah. Especially if you're motivated to to lose the lose the weight. But one of the things is when you're losing weight, you sort of feel like groggy and cranky and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And if you can reverse that, then ta-da, you're good. You're good. I think that's like, I mean, we say that losing weight is super simple. Because, yeah, like from a thermogenic standpoint, it is simple. You just eat less. Yeah, but it's a, the addiction or, that you have to. You have an addiction and it's super nuanced because, I mean, it's like a common, I don't know, fucking joke that like, oh, you get your heart broken, just eat a eat tub chocolate. of ice cream, eat chocolate, like, yeah, whatever, ball out on your diet. It doesn't matter. And like people, it's always the case of like in movies or TV show or whatever it may be somebody is super depressed and they're just shoving food into their face to make themselves feel better. To the face hole. Their face hole. To make themselves feel better. Yeah. It's like if I mean, you think about when you eat a candy bar, you're like, ah, oh, that's good. Yeah. Because it, it hits you and it hits your brain and it hits that reward center. But like, if you can find other ways to hit the reward center, yeah. you're not going to crave those foods as much. So it's like very nuanced. You need to clean up your diet. Yeah. You need to have a healthier diet. It's not, it doesn't even necessarily come down to eating less. I mean, you're eating less calories, but you can still have very high volume foods. If you struggle with weight loss, get rid of like really shitty calories, empty calories. Broccoli just doesn't do it. No, it doesn't do it. But you know what's way better? If you can have like a, you can have a lower calorie cheese sauce. Mm -hmm. You can very easily make a low calorie cheese sauce. Yeah. And it might not taste the exact same, but if you have two cups of broccoli, which comes out to be what, like a hundred calories, maybe? And oh, I think not even like thirty. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. A cup of broccoli is like fifteen calories. I thought that it was like forty calories the, for a cup of broccoli. Plus with like fiber. Yeah, but isn't there like six grams of protein in a cup of broccoli or something? You're shit? counting protein and broccoli. Maybe it's three. I don't know. Got other things to worry about. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is that. <laughs> yeah, I get the idea. Regardless, it's not a lot. Not a lot. Anyways, not a lot of calories. So say it's 50 calories for two cups of broccoli. It's half of your plate of broccoli and you can make a hundred calorie cheese sauce. Yeah. Like you're at 150 calories. You're going to feel good because you're eating cheese. So you're getting a little bit of that reward center. Yeah. And you're getting all these vegetables with very high volume. And then you can eat, you know, some protein and like a complex carbohydrate on the other side of it. And you're good. You're going to hit that reward center because you got the cheese sauce. So it kind of feels. Yeah. Like you're cheating on your diet a little bit, but I've just found super simple. I found that, uh, I have an easier time losing weight surprisingly when I work out in the evenings, mm-hmm. which seems counterintuitive, 
but um in the fact that i don't like to work out feeling super bloated so you don't want to eat before you work out i don't want to have like a full stomach as much yeah well you do jujitsu in the evening and yeah rolling on a full stomach is a fucking no-no i know that's what i mean is like so then you're sort of conscious about what you're eating during the day like when i was purely only lifting in the morning and then nothing else you can eat whatever you want throughout the day hey whatever i want throughout the rest of the day you got a stomach ache or you're mm-hmm. pretty distended mm-hmm. like it doesn't, doesn't matter yeah i don't have anything to do with, you know okay but which is also when i put on weight but um i mean that was sort of intentional weight gain but yeah at the same time yeah i, I feel like when you're forced to do something physical in the afternoon especially like if you're running or something in the evening you don't want to no. be running on a big old corned beef sandwich maybe in college then it's fine yeah but that's a totally different story you also up your water intake when you're working out in the evening because you know that if you're dehydrated you're gonna feel like shit when you work out yeah see i have the problem of like i don't drink anything and then i'll just down like a half a gallon of water before i go that's and i gotta pee like three times and i'm does your body even have time to absorb it? No. You're just sloshing. Yeah, just sloshing. You're just basically a mixer cup inside yeah. of you. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's that's the uh that's the weight loss drug. I think hitting the antidepressant aspect of it is more effective. Yeah. If you can find reward centers outside of food, I think you'll have a much easier time losing. Yeah, food. I think the best yeah, the best way is to find something non drug related that is. Yeah. Yeah. Or I mean it sounds lame, but if you want to eat a shitty meal, that's fine. You can eat the shitty meal. Just eat a cup of vegetables before. Carrots, broccoli. Mm-hmm. Yeah, try to fill yourself up. Yeah, just fill yourself up a little bit. Yeah. It helps, though. Because, I mean, you might stuff yourself full of that we, bad food. We've talked about, I don't know, not we have talked about, but I don't know if we talked about this previously, but I still think a effective weight loss strategy mm-hmm will be, and I don't remember where I heard this. I think I heard it on Clubhouse or something like that from someone, that if you were able to ablate or temporarily paralyze um, taste buds Mm -hmm. so that you lost all sensation of taste, if you will. Yeah. uh, If you do it temporarily, I think for like a couple weeks and you're able to completely desensitize. Yeah. I see, it could go both ways. I I I could see how it could... uh, prevent you from or it could break sort of that cycle of always having to have some sort of food like reward yeah and so then food becomes more of just like a fuel thing yeah because if you think about like when you're sick or something like that you can't taste anything you, you're not really craving much you don't care what you eat you don't really care what you, you eat. just literally just want something in your stomach yeah you want enough to fill up your stomach so you're not hungry mm-hmm. but that's it yeah Whereas when you can taste food and get the full experience of it, not to say that the like food isn't like a whole experience in itself. And I get that, but like if you were able to just temporarily to break the habit where you physiologically could not have the ability to taste anything for a little while Mm -hmm. and you just purely became in the habit of this is how much I need to eat in order to just sort of fill my stomach enough. So that way I'm not stimulating any of these reward pathways or anything like that. Yeah. Then I think slowly reintroducing it see this is the problem is that you might get a rebound where all of a sudden now something is going to taste like 10 times better than it did before sort of like when you go on that ketogenic type of diet for a while and you eat a bowl of fucking pasta or yeah or even if you eat like a banana you're like this is too sweet yeah like i remember coming off the ketogenic diet like 
bananas were disgusting because it was it was like it was so sweet. I was like, oh my god, it feels like I'm burning my mouth, dude. I remember eating pasta after I came off keto, and it was the best bowl of pasta I've ever had in my life. Yeah, I felt like dog shit afterwards. Yeah. But, so yeah, I, can't I also go. think that people would honestly, if you did that, I think that a lot of people would just eat to get full, and they wouldn't actually eat anything healthy. Yeah, because there'd be no reason to. It wouldn't be like, oh, I can't taste anything, so I might as well just eat all this stuff that's good for me. Yeah. It'd be like, I, mean, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to eat a loaf of bread. Yeah. Like, fuck it. It goes down quick. It goes yeah. down easy. I don't care. Or people would eat for the texture, which means they just eat a bunch of crunchy shit. Like, everything that they would. ate would be texture, texture-based. So they just eat a bunch of potato chips fuck. to get full. They might eat tree bark, dude. <laughs> people in, uh, like, American soldiers in Vietnam and shit when they were out in the jungle. They chew on tree bark? They would eat dirt and tree bark so that way their stomachs wouldn't rumble because it would give them away. Like if you're laying oh. in an ambush yeah. and you're out there for, you know, four days, you can't just be cracking sea rats because that shit, sea ra- a sea ration was like the food that they would give you. It's like our modern day MREs. You got sea rats. Came in a bunch of cans. You get like fucking chicken salad, crackers, peaches, all sorts of random stuff. Yeah. But if you couldn't do that because you were laying in an ambush or you didn't want to get seen by, you know, enemy soldiers, whatever, they would eat dirt and tree bark just to suppress their stomach from growling so you wouldn't give away your position. That's the secret. Kind of crazy. But if you crave it, though, it's called pica, and you're probably iron deficient. Oh, okay. Pica is, uh, for some reason, like, if you have an iron deficiency, mm-hmm. it makes your body crave different things. So, like, a mild iron deficiency, people will start eating a lot of ice. Oh, yeah, my mom did that. My mom ate ice for years. My mom actually, she's not diabetic. She's insulin resistant. Mm-hmm. Um... But she takes a shot of something like once a week or once every two years. Huh? It lowers her iron. I don't know what it does, but no, she had like low iron or she had something. But growing up, my mom always had this big ass like beer mug kind of thing. Full of ice. Full of crushed ice and a spoon and she would just eat ice all day long. Yeah. If it gets gets real bad, people will start eating like dirt and things like that. So she might have had the pica because she was eating a lot of ice, but she insulin resistant. She takes a shot of something like once every other week or something like that. Yeah. And since she started that medication, she doesn't chew on ice anymore. She doesn't crave it. Weird. Yeah. I mean, that, I don't think that has anything to do with the iron. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what it did. Could. But I mean, yeah, I mean, the idea is that like there should be iron in not normally non-edible type of foods like yeah. dirt and ice doesn't have iron, but it. It fulfills something. It fulfills that that craving or that satisfaction. So if you're yeah, if you're craving ice and you're eating ice all the time, you might be iron. To check your iron. Yeah, I mean, if you stand up and you feel lightheaded and you're craving ice, check your iron, dude. We had a mutual friend here from the gym that yeah. we had to give iron supplements to. Yeah, because uh, same issues. Stand up, feel like you're gonna drop. Mm-hmm. Probably anemic. Yeah. <laughs> And I honestly never followed up with whether or not it was working past what you and I followed up. Yeah. But energy levels is better now. Yeah. Um, Iron deficiency. Man. Weight loss is just so nuanced and there's so many elements to it and it's so tough. And like, especially as somebody who struggled with being severely overweight growing up and like trying to, I remember I'd have like dumbbells in my room and you know that little like motivation that you get at like two o'clock in the morning when you're like, I'm turning my fucking life around. That's, dude, I would get up out of bed. It'd be I like, used to do like push-ups in the middle of the night. Yep. I was like, I'm not going to be this fat anymore. And then I'd go curls. and I'd go back to bed. Yeah, curls, push-ups, everything. And then afterwards I'd go make like a frozen chimichanga and drink two vitamin waters. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, I just ruined all my progress. But 
people always talk about a shift that happens in their brain when they lose weight and they're like, oh, you know, maybe it was a health scare. Doctors like, yeah, you know, you're pre-diabetic and you're going to get diabetes if you don't change or like your heart's not healthy right now. Works for some people. It works for some people. That might be what does it. Some people just look in the mirror and they're like, gross. Some people are having sex, dude. And they're like, for a dude, they're on their girlfriend and missionary and they like looked out. It's just everything's jiggling on them. And they're like, this is oh, disgusting. Yeah. Or like, you know, for women, like when you're naked and you have to see your body and you're like front and center looking at your naked body and you're disappointed in it, that yeah. can be a shift for yeah. some people. But I, some sort of self-shaming situation where you does feel disgusted. It has to be that change where you feel disgusted in your own body. Yes. You have to find something that for whatever reason will delay your gratification. Yeah. Whatever. I'm not saying like, health or whatever people being disgusted. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm like everyone, you should feel confident to the extent of, you know, that whatever. Yeah. But I shamed myself into getting in shape. Yeah, it but worked like for me, I there also has agree. to be some sort of thing because if you're always just like, okay, yeah, I'm great the way that I am. Again, if you're looking to lose weight, mm -hmm. and if you're morbidly obese and you need to lose weight for health reasons or whatever, like there has to be that kind of shift in attitude where you're like, I don't want to be looking the way that I look. Because mm -hmm. if you're not, then there's no motivation. It's like, eh, no. I, if I get it, cool. If not, big deal. Well, that's the thing that I think is different though, and that's that's where I sort of like branch off is that a lot of people are genuinely motivated to lose weight. Yeah. Like mostly everybody that wants to lose weight is motivated to lose weight, but that shift that happens is what creates discipline. And that's, what's going to get you to lose yeah. weight is having discipline yeah. because you need to be able to delay your gratification in terms of like, I really want three McDoubles and a large Coke and chicken nuggets mm. from McDonald's right now, but I have meal prep at home. So I'm going to, drive straight past mcdonald's yeah my meal prep isn't going to taste as good but then guess what you get done eating your meal prep you're full so it you doesn't matter 10 anything. minutes you're full and you don't care and you don't think of mcdonald's anymore yeah. and you're on to the next thing so if you can whatever that switch is i don't think that you're going to lose weight unless you hit that switch mm -hmm. something's going to trigger it though like i said could be a health scare could be just disappointed looking at your body could be you know people sign up for like um those obstacle course races were really popular, like Spartan races. And oh, yeah, that's, a, that's a stimulus for a lot of people. Yeah, because you have an event that you have to train for. And also the same thing with like uh, doing jujitsu or doing martial arts. If you're doing Muay Thai, yeah, you're eating like shit. You're going to perform really bad. You're going to get your ass whooped and you're going to feel like shit while you're doing it. Yeah. And that's a shift that's going to happen to be like, okay, eating poorly isn't going to benefit my training. Yeah. But if I eat well, that will benefit my training. Like you said, training at night. Like you have to eat well throughout the day because you want to be able to perform at jujitsu. Yeah. And granted, you've been in shape for a long time now. So like jujitsu isn't your shift, but it helped. Yeah. Well, I think like find a shift. I, I found that a lot of success comes from those group type of fitness activities, whether it be jujitsu or CrossFit or whatever it might be. Yeah. Because steel sharpens steel. Well, steel sharpens steel, but at the same time, there's sort of that extrinsic factor that you have to keep going. Mm -hmm. Like I, I know like when I was trying, when I was originally losing weight and stuff, and I think a lot of people when they're trying to do it solo, um, not to say that it can't be done or whatever. And I understand like being in that position when I started, like I didn't want anyone seeing me jiggling on the treadmill or whatever. Yeah. Struggling with the weights. But at the same time, I feel like what the thing that sucks about like, especially like I think, I, th I think the treadmill is a good example of the first day, like you're real motivated. You're, you're, 
hitting it, you're even doing maybe some intervals, you're feeling crazy, wild, put that incline up, get it. And then all of a sudden, you know, that, that original motivation sort of fades away. Yeah. When it like actually starts to hit that, oh boy, this is going to be a journey. Mm -hmm. And then you start to find little excuses to make breaks in your run or your walk. And you're like, I'm going to, I got to tie my shoe. I got to tie my shoe. I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. Mm -hmm. And like, suddenly you don't hit that stop button anymore when you're like, I'm just going to jump off real quick and go to the bathroom and then I'm going to tie my shoe and then stretch a little bit. And then you get back on and like five minutes has gone by. And you're like, and you get, I only had 30 there. minutes to do this run. And yeah, it's like and I'm all only getting a 12 day like, run. Oh, I'm at 30 minutes. I'm done. And in reality, like the first day you did it, you did it for 30 minutes mm-hmm. and now you're down to 20 minutes because mm-hmm. you just did some other stuff for 10 minutes, like yep. breaking it up. And then like, there has to be something, then you... And you're like, I, I got to find a movie. I got to find something to watch. I got to like something to take my mind off the fact that I'm running. And then it just starts to go down. Whereas for jujitsu, for example, like, uh, if there's someone trying to choke you, uh, you, you have to address that. Yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're forced into it. You're forced into it. Or like if you're thrown into a CrossFit workout or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, besides the kipping pull-ups that ruin families, but don't uh, get me started. Don't get me started. But you're, you're kind of like, oh, I have to keep going. Or especially like I noticed the uh, quick, quickest way for people to get in shape, uh, or I guess already in shape people to get like real. There's sort of that, you know, in shape versus in shape. I mean, dude, there's like in shape, there's shredded, there's jacked, there's, yeah, they, they all mean different but like, things. With, uh, with like cycling, when I was racing bikes, mm-hmm. you know, when you're training by yourself, you can push yourself to go so hard. Yeah. But at the same time, you sort of have that internal governor that says, yeah, we're going to. That inner bitch, dude. Yeah, to, we're going to say, I'm going to slow it down a little bit here. Like, I'm going hard, but you can make yourself feel like you're going as hard as you want. Like, you can take 45-pound plates or something, and you, you can yeah. really make it feel like you're going to die. Dude, David Goggins talks about that. I think he calls it the 40% rule. Yeah, like, you're always going to hold yourself back a little yeah. bit. But if you're, like, for group rides, for example, when I was racing bikes, like, Every week there was always group rides, they call them, or the Tuesday night world races as they mm-hmm. always ended up being because you take a bunch of people together and you put them on bikes and you, you know, put little finish lines around and people are going to go nuts for it. But anyways, like if you're like, they, they were notorious for being faster than the races, you know, when you got to the race, it was like, oh, this isn't as bad as the group ride that was on mm-hmm. Tuesday. Uh, but like if you're 20, 30 miles out from wherever you guys started, and uh suddenly the pace gets picked up pretty spicy yeah and you're really kicking it and you're you know your heart rate feels like it's gonna about to pound out of your chest but you're just barely hanging on because you have to draft otherwise you know yeah. you can go like 30 miles an hour at a draft and it's fine but if you try to do 30 miles an hour by yourself you, it's tough. tough you know yeah. anyways so you you're gonna push that little extra to make sure that you don't get dropped because the consequences of it are going back 30 miles by yourself yeah which is going to take twice as long and you might not know where you are and you're going to be lost and you're not going to enjoy it as much man yeah and so like you can really get get after it and so like i think like putting yourself in that kind of position as much as it seems uncomfortable at the time like one no one cares like everyone there is just trying to make each other better for the we talked about this in the last weight loss podcast that we did as well or last episode is that nobody's looking at you if you're fresh in the gym and if they are looking at you typically they're just checking to make sure that you're safe. And if you get unsafe, usually somebody will step in and tell you that you're being really unsafe. Yeah. And like, you gotta be pretty belligerent for that even. Yeah. But like if I saw some, somebody who 
like clearly is new to the gym and they're deadlifting with horrible form, mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to say something. Not like, oh, if you do it this way, you can activate more glutes and you can activate your hamstrings better if you do this when you're like, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to give you little micro tips. That's when Zach came up to me and said, hey, your back is pretty rounded. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, dude, fix your shit. But no. And I said, watch this. No. Watch you want to see some real shit? Bro? You want to see a real deadlift? I'll show you a real deadlift. No. no, but I mean like, so when I, the way that Nick and I met, I think I've talked about this. Yeah. The way that we met, I first moved over here and I worked out completely alone for years. And like I was in the military, I did a lot of training that was like mostly running pull-ups and like rucks because I was just what was like helpful for my yeah. job in the Marine Corps. Um and then I would go to the gym and I'd lift weights, but I never really like, yeah, I kind of would bitch out early on and be like, oh, I can't like bench as much. My bench was plateaued at like, I could do 185 for one, could never get above it. I didn't mm -hmm. have anybody to spot me, nothing like that. So when I moved to Seattle, it was, I moved on a Saturday. Monday was my first day in the gym. We ran into each other and he was doing a exercise and I had tried that exercise for literally like two years. And I never felt any activation in my lats. It was like a lat, lat pullover, lat pullover, cable, lat pullover, cable, lat pullover. And I never felt any activation on it. I was just going too heavy. Long story short, I walk up to Nick and I was like, literally it was my first day in the gym. First single, you and Wes were working out on those cables next to the squat rack in front of all the mirrors yeah, yeah. next to like the personal trainer section. Um, I walk over there and I was like, literally never seen this dude before in my life. Walk up to him and I was like, yo. Like, how do you do this exercise? Because when I do it, it just doesn't work. It like, I don't feel anything. I feel it in my arms. Yeah. And keep in mind, at this time, I'm like 190 pounds. I'm coming off of a surgery. I'm pretty flabby. I don't really look like I belong in the gym. Like, I mean, I do, but I don't. Like, yeah. if, if you saw me working out in there that very first day, you would think, like, he's been to the gym a couple times, but he doesn't really know a lot. Because I, I just, like, I was doing weightlifting, yeah, yeah. but not anything seriously. Especially after taking so long off, I had to like fix my forearm. Like that dude chops at GNC. Yeah, definitely. And I saw Nick and he's, you know, looks like a goddamn silverback gorilla in there doing these lap pullovers. And I'm like, I'm going to go talk to that dude. Walk up, super friendly, helped me out. And then I started talking to Wes too. And then there was like the whole group of us that all worked out together Yeah, for months on end. And like that. If I would have been nervous about that interaction going into it, and that's not even like a confidence thing or anything like that. Granted, when I moved over here, I was like, I just need to start talking to people. Like, yeah. I need to make friends over here. But then you were quickly like, I mean, you're deadlifting like 405, squatting like 315. Yeah, no, all my number, I hit like that, you know, where you go from like beginner to intermediate, where like bench was 225, squat was 315, deadlift was 405. All of that stuff went up because I had the social aspect of it. I had people to spot me in the gym. I had people to... And there like, was sort of that congratulate me when I did well, even if it was like we were all shit talking. We knew because it was you, Wes, and I. Yeah. So like we all talked a lot of shit just with how we are. But it was very supportive. Yeah. And there's also that like perspective of like you think you're gonna go like you might think that you're going hard, and that's sort of the the mindset that I had that when I shifted into when I was doing more of a powerlifting type of thing mm -hmm. and competing in powerlifting is that uh you know when I started deadlifting and I started squatting and stuff like that I had always thought that I was failing mm -hmm. even though you like you you feel like you're at your maximum 
Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. You feel like you're, it's, it's like one of those, like with cycling, I noticed it was more obvious or with skiing is that when you're in a race and all of a sudden you're trying to keep up with the pack, you don't really have a choice. You have to, you're like, well, I might as well go for broke because I either go for broke and stay with the pack and I don't get dropped and I have a way back or I don't and I get dropped and I have to figure my way home. Yep. And so you, you like, you, I have nothing to lose. You might as well go for it. That's like, the shift. You have nothing to lose in everything. Nothing to lose. You might as well see like how far can I go towards cardiac arrest? Mm-hmm. And then you go for it and then you survive on the other side and you go, oh, that's how hard I can go. Yeah. That's a different pace than what I was at before. Yeah. You know? And so like when I joined the powerlifting gym for a while that I saw people with like blood squirting out of their nose when they're doing deadlifts. Disclaimer, I'm no doctor, but I do not think that that is healthy and yeah, probably yeah, do not a, deadlift until you pass of, out or of, squirt blood out of your nose. I just want to throw that in there. <laughs> there's a point of diminishing your turns, yes. but like you see people warming up with 405 and squat and they're just, you know, they're, they're really squeezing. Yeah, dude, you would rep my max in every single lift and it was, you know, motivational to be like, damn, like I can get there. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, it's, but then you see like the veins bulging and you see it like mm-hmm. everything that, you know, like the, the reason, like obviously they're stronger, but at the same time, like they're just pulling harder. Yeah. Like I just got to pull harder. Yeah. Like it's not a secret. Which you do get into that mental issue. I had a buddy that I went and worked out with, or I, still my friend, but him and I went and worked out one time and I was like, we're going to deadlift. And he was like, I can't, like, I've never been able to hit, uh, God, what is it? Quick math. 365. Uh-huh. You know, three plates and two twenty fives, or I guess three yeah, plates and one twenty five on your side. Anyways, um, he could never hit it. And when I would watch his form, he had good form and he was definitely strong enough to pull it. But he'd get like two inches off the ground, and hey, I think stop. he would just get scared and he would just drop the weight and be like, "I can't do it." And finally, after like the third time of doing it, he pulled three sixty five, and it wasn't that challenging at all <laughs> no you just like gotta, he got like, it and no. i was like bro you're just in your head and like look at you now you hit 365 no problem like i remember when i first benched 225 i got high fives from people all over the gym that i would see every single day because it really i mean we worked out in the morning six days a week yeah it's the same community of people you know where everyone's at you know exactly like i know what machines you're going to be on today and what areas because i know your fucking workout plan <laughs> because i see you every single day but I hit 225 for the first time on bench, which was a huge, my biggest lift accomplishment was hitting 225 because I got long arms. I got a long way to move it. My bench sucks. My chest isn't all that strong. And high fives from everybody that was in the gym that day that I was like friends with. But you find that sort of community and it makes it way easier. But people in the gym typically are going to be friendly. Like you might have a very small percentage that are going to be assholes in the gym. There was but some the vast dude, majority are so friendly. There was some dude last week. I was standing, I was spotting someone that was doing like uh dumbbell chest press, mm-hmm. dumbbell inclined chest press. So I was standing oh, in class. I was standing behind them and I'm getting ready to like push on their elbows, mm-hmm. you know. And sort of the benches are laid out in a row, you know, and I'm standing behind the bench and then, you know, it's in front of the whole thing of dumbbells. Yeah. Some dude just grabbed dumbbells and he was walking behind the benches to go over to his bench. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing there spying the guy and the guy stops and he literally goes, get the fuck out of the way. To you? Yeah. Jesus. And I looked at him and I didn't say a word because I was like, what? Yeah. Like what? One, like read the room. 
I'm about to spot I'm this person. spotting this guy. <laughs> I'm like, dude. Anyway, so you, there are those that once in a while. I have gotten into a physical altercation at the gym. Remember, there was that one guy that was, uh, oh yeah, leg pressing. No, he was throwing the 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 not barbell, but but the you know there are they're they're called barbells, but they have like the fixed weights on them. And they're like usually oh like the little yeah fixed weight easy bars fixed weight easy bar yeah. type things and they go curl bars tree whatever and they, yeah, yeah they go from like ten to a hundred or mm-hmm. whatever and he was like putting it over his head and he was just throwing it down as hard as he could yeah and I walked over and I was like hey like th- those aren't kind of the barbells that you're supposed to drop yeah like a normal Olympic barbell yeah you can drop that that's fine but like those are gonna break yeah don't do that because they're gonna ruin it for everybody at the gym. And he lost it, lost it. Yeah. And then uh, started squaring up, and I was like, "You're gonna have a bad day, sir." (laughs) (laughs) Sir, this is maybe not the right choice that you want to make. But anyways, I tried to de-escalate it. I was like, "Listen, there's a lot of things that we don't know about each other." about other hobbies and stuff and like a lot of variables here there's a lot of variables here you don't know who i am i don't know who you are and like this might you know i don't know if it's gonna go my way either but like this is probably just not gonna work out Mm -hmm. the way that you might have envisioned or you know not to sound like a not sound like an asshole but like same time you know yeah anyways and then like three guys that i've never met before in my life came running up behind me and then they were like yeah let's go yes like they're ready yeah, and then there was four on one, and then he, you know, backed down, and then I turned to the guys, and, you know, they were like, yeah, we got you. We got you, bro. And you don't even know. I don't even know. I was like, thanks, I think. Like, I bet all three of you pull guard, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are guard pullers. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were pretty funny, but. I mean, most people, though, in the gym, like, that's very rare. That's very rare. And I've ran into a few situations myself, but, I mean, you got to think about it. If you spend... You know, even three days a week for a year in the gym, you're at like, what, 156 days in the gym over the course of a year? Yeah. I was like, where is this number? 156 (laughs) pounds is your average weight. No, 156 days in the gym. You might have five days out of all of those where you encounter somebody that's just being a dick. Yeah. They're just being an asshole for no reason. But who knows what's going on in their personal life? Yeah. Maybe one of their parents just died or something like that. You don't know. But you just brush them off and you keep going. Yeah. But every other day, if you interact with somebody, you're probably going to have a positive interaction. Yeah. Like I've... Speaking of which, if anyone ever makes someone else's life miserable Mm -hmm. because something in their life is miserable, I immediately don't like you. I agree. I 100% agree, dude, which is why my last relationship or two relationships ago did not work out because like if you're, if you're having a bad day and you decide I'm going to take it out on someone, mm-hmm. just find something else to do. Yeah. God. Find an, I don't do something with yourself, Triggered, but you're going to, you're going to meet a lot of really good people in the gym. People yeah. aren't just going to make fun of you. They're going to be very helpful and I mean, shit, you might meet some... They might make fun of your small calves. My small calves, in particular. In particular, which are like... I, dude, he says all this as I get railed on for my tiny calves. Yeah, but it's because it looks like you put... You cut a fucking bratwurst in half and just put vertically onto toothpicks. 
That's what your legs look like. A bratwurst down to a fucking toothpick down to some 14-year-old wrestling shoes that you deadlift in. It's ridiculous. Those shoes are torn up, dude. Stood the test of How time. much duct tape do they got on them? There's got to be at least one strip. They're barely holding together. My, yeah. Well, they, yeah, actually, the problem I have with my deadlift shoes is that my toe sticks out the sides. See? <laughs> is exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. So sometimes you're deadlifted and then suddenly you feel your two toes touch the ground yep. out of your shoe. <laughs> <laughs> you just got like 600 pounds on the bar. <laughs> your toes are touching. <laughs> this is a weird feeling. You get like, it's almost like when you get a draft, like when you realize that your fly is open. Yep. You feel that wind draft. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Yeah. But like on your toes. Couldn't imagine. Anyways. I mean, we would make fun of Wes too because he would do... Yeah, well, Wes would do like a hundred reps with some like with ten pounds on the bar. Yeah, like a, a bar. He would squat a hundred reps, sixty five total pounds. Yeah, hundred reps, and he would make actual whimpers. And like the Wes whimper was crowned. The Wes whimper it, was a it was a patented sound. Patented sound. But it was funny because you look over and he would be laying on the ground with his hands on his head, <laughs> feet in the air, like actually just sort of shaking. And then you look at the bar and it's 65. <laughs> and he would be rack. whimpering be and moaning. Like legitimately, you're like, are you okay? Yeah. No, it was, it was a cause of real concern. But that was the thing was that like we became friends enough that we could make fun of each other for these things. And we all knew that it was in good fun. And like, I can make fun of Nick's calves all that I want. Yeah. If I want to make fun of your calves, I'll make fun of your calves. Why? Because you can take it squat my max deadlift <laughs> so like why does it matter what your calves look like when you're that much stronger than me so yeah fuck it it's like when you get in a real bad position in jujitsu someone's got you in a mounted triangle with the your with your arm and like an arm lock, like an, a straight arm lock yeah and you you look at them and you go i got you just where i want you <laughs> like you're about to hate this sweep that i'm about to hit on you <laughs> And then you tap and you yeah, and you and proceed laugh. to get triangled, arm barred, and yeah. probably somehow wrist locked at the same time. My professor arm barred me with his chin one time, and I was yeah <laughs> so because I you ever have those too though where all of a sudden like the bell rings t- to start uh, a roll and you get submitted in like le- legitimately four seconds. Yep. Bef- like sometimes you get guillotine standing up. Yep. And then you're like you reset and you're like, well that the. Uh, that happened. Let's just <laughs> reset. Okay. All right. All let's right. go again. Uh, I know where we're at now. Dude, it's uh, it's rough. It's interesting. Anyways, long story short, I think I need to wrap this up. Yeah. I got all this talk about weight loss, and I'm going to go eat a pastrami sandwich. Yeah. Yeah, we really went off the rails again. As we usual. did. But yeah. um, long story short, find something that shifts your perspective. Nothing to lose. Everything to gain. Uh, work eat. calves, I guess, if you don't want to be made fun of. Work calves and... If your friends have small caps, potentially make fun of them because they might grow. It, yeah. it hasn't worked for you so far, but nope. we might get there one year. I did calf races last week. Last week? Okay. Two weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I just I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Spotify, Apple Music, <laughs> Apple, Google. RSS.com slash Neural Network, Apple, Spotify, Google, everywhere. Okay, bye. And happy 4th of July to oh, all yeah, our American listeners. Happy 4th listeners. of July. This will be out before then. Yeah. Okay, bye.